Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At bluenile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. This is Roundabout Season 2, and we're back to share more stories from the road and the memories made along the way. We're talking rest stops. If we're stopping to get gas, you will be timed. <laughs> <laughs> you will be right <laughs> Misguided plans. I grew up in the city, so I have, like, you know, a healthy fear of real extreme darkness. <laughs> this was, like, wilderness. A lot of laughs. Y'all weird, but you, yeah, you, you were different. Like, you were real different, bro. I can't really put my finger on it. And so much more. Just goes to show that unexpected yeah. things sometimes are the best when it comes to a road trip. Roundabout Season 2, presented by Nissan, is live now with new episodes rolling out every Thursday. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com We're here to help with the stone giant problem. They're doing amazing things here. She has like several pastries in her hand. Wow, gothic. Well, hello. Uh, Dead stone cleft is generally what brought us to the area. Here be dragons. We're happy to answer any questions. Get the eyeball. Get the eyeball. The giant sized holes. We cut this apple in. I don't need anything unless it's got seven layers of butter in it. Well, let me tell you, sit down. But they're pretty tart. Brenda, let me talk to you for a second. Come over here to this dark alley. Let's let's start here. Mari and Jack are the kind of people who would go, well, how'd you get these fish and where'd they come from? Dorn and Reddit kind of people go, fish. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome back to Dice Shame. This is season two, episode 40, Kettle of Fish. MVP this week is AJG Wiz, who is chewing through the backlog and coming in hot on season two. Thank you so much, AJ, and I hope you're excited to be up to date. Beyond the Dark Productions features a variety of awesome audio fiction by Mark R. Healy, 
If you enjoy audio dramas, you might want to check out the OG Beyond the Dark, as well as The Strata, or the most recent Road of Shadows. Each of these shows has high-quality editing, acting, and writing, and are amongst some of the best productions out there right now. Give them a listen at theroadofshadows.com, and don't miss your next great story. All right, should we play some D&D? Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. All right. We've seen on the internet that sort of gif or the scene, or maybe you've seen the movie of the never-ending story, and you see that horse being eaten by the fucking mud Our swamp. And, and he's pulling it, and he's pulling it, and yeah. I've you know, never seen that movie. It's always the like the thumbnail of, if you had childhood trauma, this is the scene that did it to you. And that's fair and maybe true for many people. But I'm wondering, maybe apart from that, if you have seen it, what from your childhood scarred you? What stayed with you? What was something that maybe you shouldn't have seen? Maybe you snuck downstairs around Christmas time and you saw something on the TV that you shouldn't have seen, Harlan, and it oh. stuck with you for a long, long time. Uh, maybe you couldn't sleep. I don't know. But what stuck with you uh, from your childhood that, yeah, you know, obviously maybe doesn't bother you to this day or maybe it does, but just kind of keeps coming back up? I know yours, Harlan. <laughs> you know mine? It's uh, when uh, in The Lord of the Flies. I think dad let us watch that. I was probably 12 and you would have been like nine. And, uh, you know, they, they, I don't know if you guys know the premise of the movie. It's like, you know, the society and the, everybody's read the book. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Anyways, in the movie, it was really well done. <laughs> the movie true. in the eighties, not the black and white one, but the one that was done in the eighties, the nineties, they like, uh, drop that rock on piggy's head and it just mm-hmm. like crushes his skull. And it's very like visual oh. and he just, and he, and, Piggy dies, and I just, I remember Harlan. He's like, bawling. But they killed and I remember Piggy. Dad stopped the movie, yeah. and I remember he put on like, a, I remember it was like a dancer, like a flamenco dancer. Like it was <laughs> probably just, just what was like, on TV. You know, what that's I mean? what I mean. It was on TV. Yeah. Like he just turned it off, and it went to like PBS or TVO or something, and it was just like this flamenco dancer. And I remember being like, <laughs> like that was the image I got scarred in my head. I don't even that's remember the movie. Hilarious. I remember that image. So That's definitely I can't one of them. Funnily enough, that wasn't the one I was thinking of. And Joe mentioned another one, which was Willow, which also scarred me yeah. uh, when they turn into warthogs at the end. Mm, but that wasn't the yeah. one I was thinking of either. The one I was thinking of, which all of these are true, by the way. But the other one I was thinking of is I remember one time uh, the Cabrels were over, our family yeah. friends. It was around Christmas time. Mm-hmm. And I out. snuck downstairs and they were watching TV and they were watching a spoof of... Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, the claymation one. Mm. Now, Mad TV did a spoof, and they kind of mocked the mafia. And it was, like, all shot up and stuff like that. And I've watched it, and I don't think that's it. But it's the only one that makes sense, because they wouldn't do two spoofs of this sort of high-quality claymation joke. But anyway, Mm. what it is is that Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer claymation thing, but it's, like, super gory and bloody. And I remember seeing it from the top of the stairs. And this was a video that I'd watched since I was, like, you know, five. And I must have been, like, seven like or six, like, really young. And I saw, you know, the elf and the reindeer getting their heads cut off and, like, killed. And I, it, because, and the reason that came to mind is because, like, more so than Piggy with, from Lord of the Rings, which I, like, bawled in. This is one I was, like, wide-eyed, blood-drained face, like, oh, my God. And backed up. Because, like, I, I don't think I had seen or realized that, like, horror or gore movies existed. Because there's a point, right? When you just, like... You know, and I guess for us it was, or for me it was a bit older when it was just like, oh, okay, so gore 
exists in the world. Uh-huh. Like I hadn't read a book, I hadn't seen a TV show. It was just there, and it was my like childhood claymation Christmas memories being eviscerated, Aww. and it like totally stuck with me. And I was like, oh my god, not totally scarred me. And, and I don't I- think I ever told anybody about that either. So, huh? And now you love horror movies more than anything. I really yeah. thought I had nothing for this. And then as you were talking, I came up with three different pieces of <laughs> you media. You funny? Not yeah. to her, but I didn't either. And then as I was explaining it, I was like, oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Like, that's, uh, yeah. I, I've, never, I've never loved mm. horror or jump scares or any, anything like that. It's just not my, my scene. And for whatever reason, like I, I remember at the Scholastic Book Fair, there was this like horror book that was a knockoff of Cujo. I don't. I just know there was an evil dog in it. I don't really know anything else about this book, but I can. I know where I was. I know what van I was sitting in. I know where we were. It was were. an Animorphs. It wasn't an Animorphs. No, those. He <laughs> would never do that to me. <laughs> I, listen, I'll li- I'll listen to those weird alien shapeshifters fight fascist slugs any day. But no, I, this, there was this book. I, d- I don't have anything more than this impression of like being terrified of dogs at, for like a hot minute after reading this book about them because we didn't have dogs growing up. It was just like this whole thing that was a, a moment. Um, but then as I was thinking about that, there was another book that I don't know, I'm going to say scarred me, but left a huge impression when I read The Bridge to Terabithia for the first time. Mm, I fucking bawled funny. my eyes out. Just I was thinking about that book. You know, I, the, I think it's the first book where I was like, oh, this connected to something in me and I was not ready for something sensitive to be <laughs> poked. I remember Ooh. watching My Girl too, and a similar vibe yeah. when uh, Macaulay Culkin gets stung to death or whatever. Yeah. yeah same kind one. of thing where you get the wind knocked out of you. That was my bridge to Terabithia because I never read because we didn't read in our house. <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that was a very devastating book. Oof. I remember very specifically the description of the teacher and uh, yeah, very traumatic. Yeah. Yeah, something about going back there afterwards and everything. Just I don't know. I I was I was moved in a way I had never been before. It was the first time. It was like art can do this. Take this gut punch and yeah, it was it was something. I also have a book that I read when I was probably far too young. I'm gonna say maybe fifth grade. I can't really remember the name of it or the author. I want to say it's like a Christopher Pike vibe. Oh, yeah, so it's are... young adult fiction that's horror. Um, and too adult for a 10-year-old. But I was a voracious reader and I was really into Goosebumps. And Hell so I yeah. thought that that was kind of like analogous. And I remember reading this one scene and I really hope that someone in the Discord will let me know what book I'm thinking of where the protagonist is trying to escape a house fire. And so he or she ends up filling up a wetsuit with water, like like hoses themselves down inside of a wetsuit to try to like move through the blaze. And they <laughs> talk very descriptively about the um, flames burning the suit to their skin as they're like oh, geez. trying to battle their way through the burning <sighs> house. It, it was no. terrible. <laughs> Christopher Pike's Chain Letter was another one. I don't know why I read that. Oh. Fucked me up forever. I mm-hmm. I read a lot of Christopher Pike, so I feel you on that. <laughs> also, probably too young. <laughs> it's a rough choice for an elementary school library. I'm just going to say But they did it. There's a whole shelf of them. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to just 
in grade, I was in grade four. Okay. And I remember there was this guy, and I'm not going to say his name because I still know him kind of, and he is throwing messages at me in little balls of paper. And then I was writing them back. And I actually don't even remember writing them back, but the teacher found one. It was like, fuck you, bitch. And like, that was like, the, you know, that was like the context of the conversation That's between so us. I remember, this. <laughs> I remember you getting and, in so much trouble. And they suspended what? me. They suspended me from school for like three or four days or something like that. And then I was sent home and I was made to, my discipline was to stay in my room, even though it was beautiful. It was a a summer break, like coming up into the summer, I had to stay in my room and read. And I remember I read the children's version of Moby Dick and there was a couple other children's children's novels of these. And it was speaking of reading. But that's not the part that scarred me. It was the whole fact Books. that in the Guthrie oh. household, pff, having to stay off. inside on a beautiful day. But when I came back life. to school, I had this sense, right? Like before I was suspended, I had the sense of what it meant to get in trouble. And then after I was suspended, I was like, well, now I've gotten in trouble and I see um, that it's really not so bad. So I, I, in a way, it kind of pushed that envelope for me. And In a way, I'm kind of doing air quotes here, in a way it kind of scarred me in the sense that it allowed me to continue to know, oh, Mm. I can push the envelope a little bit more and what's the worst that's going to happen? You know, like, Uh um, what, are they going to arrest me? No, they're not going to arrest me. I might get suspended from school and... Ooh, I'm going to have to stay home and read. That's really interesting, though. I like that a lot. So it's a different angle of how to look at it. The bad thing was more powerful than the Well, I remember when Dad used to threaten to send us to military school. Mm. That scared the shit out of me. That Mm. scared me. I was talking to Joe the other day, actually. I was being like, because again, I had totally forgotten about that. I was like, oh shit, Dad used to do that all the time. And it scared the fuck out of me. Yeah, me too. Yeah. But. He never actually sent us. <laughs> Yay. Just, it worked, just a weirdly manipulative power move that parents can do to their kids, I guess. Yeah, I didn't, <laughs> looking back now, it's pretty fucked up. Yeah. That's a yeah. thing that happens. Um, I have three things. One is um, when I was a kid, I used to go to a neighbor's place after school and they had just, <laughs> just, I just show up, knock, knock, knock. Hi. No, I used to go there uh-huh. um, and uh, <laughs> hang out there. They, like Their daughter, was, they had two daughters. One was about my age and one was a little older. Um, and I'd wait there until my mom got home. And the older daughter one time, it was around Halloween, and she was watching the Tales from the Dark Side movie, which is an anthology oh. series, which is like the, the, the framing of it is that there's like a witch and she has a little boy and she's going to eat him, like serve him for dinner she's gonna cook him and he's telling her stories to get her to like to like stall or whatever and i was young and at the time i was like really really into like ancient greece ancient rome like ancient egypt like that kind of like history shit that like eight-year-olds get super into with like the horrible history books a hundred percent as long as you show me a bisected pyramid i'm in (laughs) hell yes Yes. and i loved ancient egypt and one of the stories was about a mummy coming to life and uh, being sent on a revenge mission to kill all these people. And I'm like maybe nine years old and I'm in their basement and this this thing comes on and I remember so clearly 
having this moment where I'm like so scared and there's a part where like the mummy takes like a coat hook and it goes up to one of the people and like grabs them and it jams (gasps) it up their nose and pulls their brain out in like a close-up Yikes! and it just scared the ever loving shit out of me as a kid. I think Harlan just uncovered a memory. I remember (laughs) that. I was also in that basement with Sophie. (laughs) 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 We don't each other forever. I remember um that yeah i remember yeah. i don't think i saw it but i remember hearing about it i you literally did just unlock a memory yeah I was like, yeah oh my God. that scared That's the hell crazy. out of me the second one was um i loved the simpsons growing up and i remember watching i loved the halloween specials but i remember it was <gasps> halloween special it was the fifth one I it was i would have been seven or eight years old and i watched it and it is the scene where groundskeeper willie burns and when the skeleton showed up for some reason reason that triggered something in my brain that scene where like he like it cuts to like the burned skeleton and like it's not scary but like eight-year-old seven-year-old me yeah yeah. was like just it just scared the absolute bejesus out of me as well Mm. um and the last one is the the on the topic of the books which is um when i read the amber spyglass for the first time oh fuck yeah um when i got to the end of that i must have been 12 when i read it which is like the perfect time to read that book i'm not gonna say what i won't spoil the ending of it in case somebody is gonna get spoiled by this book that's like 30 years old now or whatever but um i read the ending of that and i fucking cried it's so hard that was like the first time like a book like broke my heart Mm. and uh because yeah i was like yeah joe i was also a voracious reader i read Mm -hmm. everything and that was the first book that like really got me (laughs) all of this conversation unlocked another one for me i gotta share real quick because this one actually has a weird i like tracked it down so i read this book when i was a kid um big big into the scary books unlike rob and there was this book called, um, it was Bruce Coville's Book of Monsters, and there was a bunch of monster stories in it. It was like a scholastic one. Anyway, I read all of them, uh, all the stories, and the last story in the book, and the first one, is called Timmer and the Furnace Troll. Oh, shit. And I remember it because I have it. It had a little opening that says, because he kind of comments on all the stories. They're all like from different authors. And he's like, I have to tell you this story is sick. I don't suppose it's going to stop you from reading it, but don't say I didn't warn you. And at the time, I was like, ha, 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 ha. And it tells the story of a little elf who, as part of his, like, school, you know, it's like Harry Potter type shit where he, like, has to, you know, he's in this magic school for elves. And he has to be a part of the furnace uh, trolls, like, rotation. He gets to sort of the end of the line. So the troll's the one who shovels the coal in the furnaces and all that kind of stuff. Everyone else gets better job placements. He kind of gets this one. And <laughs> the, the the troll, like, takes him on this journey and shows him how cool it is to be a troll. And he, like, reveals to him, he's like, well, you can be a troll too. And this elf, like, is, like, crying. Timmer's like, I don't fit in with my elves. Everyone bullies me. And he's like, well, you know how to do it, don't you? And the final scene of the book is Timmer and the uh, furnace troll killing everyone in this class and eating them whoa and literally i remember i read this line over and over and over again because i didn't understand what i was reading he wrote then the furnace troll leapt forward and grabbed mrs docent which is the teacher by her wrists and ankles stretching her out like an accordion until you could hear all the bones in her spine pop and bit the middle right out of her 
gobbling down the pieces that remained in each hand as he moved towards the exit. Then the girl he likes, who's like at the beginning of the story, like his crush, she's like, please don't kill me. And with a pitchfork, he rams it through her. I feel like I've read this. It's so fucked up. And it absolutely scarred me to the point that maybe about 10 years ago, this started cycling around my brain. And I was like, oh my God, I've heard this. I was like, what is this? Where is this? What book was this? And I found the PDF and and I, I have it. I've definitely read that. It's so fucked up. Uh-huh. I, looking at the looking at the but anyway, uh, that's killing trolls, which is a pretty <laughs> nice segue yeah. straight into they're a type of giant. Actually, killing elves, I should say. It's killing elves, which is even better. <laughs> oh no! Die this episode. Oh, oh. god! Shall Jen? we play some? Yeah. All righty, yeah, let's, let's do, do this. All right, let's do it. Red, Doran, the two of you leave the barracks, followed by Veranda and Flycatcher, and you move through the town. You notice that a surprisingly high percentage of villagers are clothed in the now familiar uniform of the town guard. Looks like a lot of people are employed in the protection of this town. You move past a block of residential buildings and your eyes catch on a battery of coops with poultry nesting. Um, Looks like probably the people who live here also cultivate their food right here in the town. Hey, that makes sense. Look, they get their own eggs and meat and everything. Obviously, if they're secluded from the outside world, I guess they're gonna have to make that stuff. Doran, you notice that this town is using similar materials to what you saw in Zosenbaffel. The doorknobs, the paving stones, everything looks kind of similar to the Gnomish city, but made in a size to fit the humans that live here. So you're noticing those kinds of details. Yeah, and as I look around, you know, hey, Red, I don't know if you noticed, but take a look at all the all the little details of the stonework, the the metal trinkets and ornaments on the on the handles and the doors wow gothic no what gnomish oh that makes more sense yeah yeah gnomish so i mean it would make sense if they had this symbiotic relationship with the gnomes i'm sure the gnomes probably helped build this place i mean but look at the artistry i mean it's odd that they didn't realize the gnomes had died out eh you think they would have at least had some sort of knowledge that these Supplies one day just sort of stopped. I wouldn't be surprised if uh, both of these civilizations died out, and then, and then maybe people came back to this one because they just saw it. The gnomish civilizations hid, you know? Mm. Maybe it's not the same ancestral uh, bloodline that's been living here the whole time. Maybe not. Anyway, let's head to the bar so we can see if we can talk to some people about the gossip in town. Figure out what they're doing. It looks like everyone's ready for war. Look, everyone's garbed out in the guards outfit. Yeah, well, even before we get to the pub, I mean, I feel like maybe there's, like, eyes on us. Of course. Yeah, you guys are attracting a ton of attention. There are no dwarves in town. There are no tabaxis. Hi. I picture that all of a sudden we stop and all eyes are on us and everybody's listening to our conversation. Yeah, it, like at the end of that conversation. Well, I don't know about that, but I do know that. Hey, hey. well, well, hello. Uh, we're visitors, and Pepe said to make ourselves welcome. And yeah, but we we're just trying to move. I mean, you know, uh, we're happy to answer any questions. We're, we're normally uh, called the Nightstone. We're here to help with the Stone Giant problem. That's why. Yeah, we're here to help with the Stone Giant problem, and boy, do you have a big problem. A couple of laughs from. Uh, <laughs> 
group of people. (laughs) They're like the song and dance, Doran. Now we're doing stand-up. Let's put on the old skit. (laughs) (laughs) So we came from Grunhog. Dwarves walk like this, and Tabaxi, we walk like... (laughs) Find a soapbox immediately. I don't know where it comes Uh, from. We're just going to go to the pub now. And Red, like, grabs Doran's hand and, like, pushes through the crowd and... And then when he's out of your show, he says, Look, I want to talk to you about Veranda. She's acting weird. Yeah. I think we should confront her about it. I don't think she got any sleep last night. Did you look at her? God. No. Mari and I were talking to her, and, and she's been... Well, we are talking to Flycatcher, really, and said that she has bad dreams. Uh-huh. But I also get a weird vibe from that cat. I kind of want to... I don't know. Don't tell me you want to eat it. Talk to... No, I don't want to eat the cat. Why would I want to eat the cat? Have you ever seen me eat a cat? I don't know. <laughs> well, you said I kind of want to, and then you stopped your sentence. So I, I, because I was... Red, I mean, come on. You said some pretty outlandish things before. I, all right, a little part of me wants to eat the cat. Okay, fine. You're happy. A tiny part of me, but not enough to articulate it. You can't eat the cat, okay? Red elf-handed Robin. Look, a a part of me wants to speak to Veranda away from the cat. We spoke to the cat away from Veranda. I'm curious. I don't know. I feel like she's looking over her shoulder. Yeah. But there's no one around here. She doesn't know anybody here. I'll distract the cat. You, you go and talk to Veranda. Okay, cool. Hey, there's a fishmonger over there. Go grab some Oh, I saw it right out of the core of my eye. Say, I'll meet you over there just as soon as you're done talking. Make it quick. You know all these flying cats. They don't want to stay still. Yeah. Red licks his lips. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, Mari and Jack, where do you make your way? I like to imagine we're just we're just leaving the bakery because we've been to a bakery and Mari is excitedly explaining some baked goods to Jack. Yeah. This is bread. <laughs> Well, she like she she has like several pastries in her hand, and she's she's like, what did you what did you think of the goldenberry crumpet? I mean, I I don't see goldenberries very often, but they're only grown in moonlight, so it kind of makes sense that you could grow them here. You know, I but they're pretty tart. Yeah, I hadn't thought about that. I my mind was really trying to crunch the math on where they put all the fields that they're defending to get the the grains to grow them, but they're they're doing amazing things here and i like if they've got all the stuff like zozenbaffel had do they have underground places where they grow food like it's not crazy to think that we just saw that yesterday i mean they might but there's also a lot of things with custard so when she has this thing called a custard bloom which like it's just <laughs> where you press on it like custard comes out of it like it blooms out of it oh but it's very tasty i should have got one of those yeah, Damn. no, it's good. It's good. Uh, <laughs> I highly recommend it. We get the chance, but yeah, I, <laughs> Torin would love that one. But um, uh, we, we should probably find someone in town to talk to, though. That <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I just, I just, I was just excited it's, to see see some it's, good food. Listen, it's so easy to get excited about pastry. Let me tell you. I... <laughs> <laughs> hey, did you did you notice that Doran seemed a little off last night as well? Yeah, I, I'm sure. Sure, felt like he and Red. We're, we're having some kind of conversation. Feels like a night for it. Yeah. Just kind of waiting around to, to see who else is stopping by the, the bakery to get their treats heading on to shift or something. Yeah, of course. You guys are like standing around outside. Well, yeah. Eating, eating, your, eating your pastry. I know I just had oatmeal, pastries. but I can't say no to this. This is <laughs> getting all Again. crumbly and covered in powdered the sugar. The local pastry, you're absolutely going to. Yeah. <laughs> I love this fucking like military town and some asshole in the morning's like, fresh galettes and rolled pastry. It's like. <laughs> hey, you, you find your joy wherever you can. There's a regional galette. I have to Every try it. Every morning I go to my pastry. I don't eat anything unless it's got seven layers of butter in it. That's uh, the only thing that fuels these fucking 
fucking soldiers is like fine pastry. <laughs> you yeah. gotta find joy somewhere. There's a musical being filmed. I mean, that's why I figured there was gonna be a pub. Yeah. These are, these are pretty good, eh? For sure. So, uh, Jack, as you and Mari are talking, uh, a couple of soldiers do enter this this pastry shop, this bakery, uh, and load up just fucking arms full of danishes. Makes the <laughs> makes the morning worth getting up for, doesn't it? Oh yeah, certainly does. Certainly does. You're uh, you're new in town. I might die today. <laughs> yeah, we're we're we were sort of heading to Deadstone Cleft is generally what brought us to the area, and then uh, happened upon this well fortified place. And listen, anywhere with a roof like that over your head, well, you know, means you're not worrying about boulders falling on it. So yeah, it's it served us well. Although some of the roofs really do need a good repair since the last fight. Listen, Captain Baby gave us a, a briefing this morning about what you guys are planning to do for us and I think I can speak for everyone here to say we really respect your sacrifice. I mean, it's pure serendipity, honestly. It's uh if if we can help you, we're we're glad to do it on the way. Not liking that word sacrifice. Have you guys ever had scouts out that way? Someone who looks impossibly skinny, considering the number of muffins they have, they're just <laughs> cramming into a bag. He's like, yeah, yeah, I've actually been there a couple of times. Deadstone Cleft. Oh yeah. I'm a scout for Captain Baby. Yeah. Oh, amazing. You don't think you could could sort of show us the path on a map, do you? I mean, I could tell you about it. Yeah, yeah. Okay, let's let's start here. And Jack takes two steps outside the the shop before he conjures up an illusory map of sort of the area as he's understood it so far. Definitely. So you know this valley, yeah, basically where you exited Slatefell, yeah, and that you headed east in this this pine forested valley to make your way towards yeah. Slatefell. Not not a lot of details outside of that. I'm imagining it's like as it builds out there's like a sketchy sound as it's like is it like the magic <laughs> yeah. isn't as strong and it's just like doodled yes. it's like doodled in and it's like here there here be dragons. Well, uh-huh. there's yeah, well if Ooh, this is cool. Slatefell then um yeah there, there's a dead-ended canyon not too far from here maybe 2 hours hike to the east. Uh, until you get to the river, and then you follow that upstream a ways. And as he's describing, he's sort of like gesturing to your illusory map, like a squiggly river, sort of an approximation of where that might go. Yeah, and and as as he's talking, I'm trying to trying to can keep adding more details as they become apparent. Does it you know Does that look right? Does that feel? Yeah, it looks pretty good. Like a dusting of crumbs from the muffin he's eating sort of fall through the illusion as he's gesturing to the map. <laughs> the canyon walls, I think when you get to about here, there there are these holes and doorways. Uh, they're like openings of some kind. And you'll see uh, stone bridges that just span the canyon. And that's where the giants come and go from. So... So they're, they're giant-sized holes. I didn't get close enough to really get a feel for it, but I think so. Okay. Listen, if you go out there, you're going to want to keep an eye on the sky, okay? Hmm? Why is that? I don't know if you... I mean, you're not familiar with these this area, but there are these huge birds in the land that we call rocks that will pick you up and eat you while they're flying. Yikes. And slate folk know to take cover when you see a shadow pass over. So just take my advice. And this time of year, especially, they're ravenous from the wintertime. They'll peck anything that moves. 
I've had a, enough scary encounters with, with regular sized griffins or a legendary sized periton once. I'm, I'm done with dangers in the sky, let me tell you. Have you ever seen one? Yeah, a few times. You just gotta get close to the ground under a tree and stay still. All right. That sounds threatening. And then the guy with the Danishes is like, uh, there's barbarians on the mountain, too. So, of course, there are. Be careful. They are not friendly to slate folk, so best keep out of their way. Uthgart? I don't know what that word means. Um, I, well, well, let me tell you, sit down and I'll, I'll start my class. Oh, here uh, we go. God, pan away, pan away. <laughs> <laughs> Please, God. <laughs> yeah, so you've, you've gained some map, some recon. Mm-hmm. Doran, Red, you're at a fishmonger? Well, Where are the fish coming from? I guess there's a river. Oh, yeah. The fish are coming from a, a well deep within the ground. <laughs> Oh, well they're fish. well fish. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I mean, there are subterranean lakes full yeah. of like white eyeless fish. I mean, are fish. there no? I mean, in the Underdark, there. Are, there of course. Are, I don't know where. The, yeah. I don't know how the fish got there. Maybe there's a trap. This abalone. It's like it's a combination of really, See, really. Listen, Mari and Jack are the kind of people who would go. Well, how'd you get these fish? And where'd they come from? Dorn and Red uh, are the kind of people who would go fish. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, here. And uh, Doran reaches in and grabs a, a copper shilling. I'm sure he has something. And he <laughs> he gives it to the fishmonger and he takes a fish head. Not even like a worthy uh, piece of fish. And he's like... Sure. And the fishmonger's like, thank you! He leads down and he kind of pushes the eyeball and makes it kind of, you know, look at the cat. And he's playing around with it. And he, and he tries to get the, the cat to, to come to him. Cats love it when you mess with fish eyeballs. Yeah, this they one does. They love this one trick. Does he? Um, yeah, yeah, great. Flycatcher is into it. Flycatcher loves a fish head. Yeah. Like the eyeball pops out, and all of a sudden it's an eyeball and a long, stringy optical cord. Uh-huh. Yeah. Get more descriptive, Alex. Uh-huh. Come here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get the eyeball. Get the eyeball. <laughs> oh, you can't get it, uh-huh. can you? Oh, come up here. Good. Oh, you can fly. I forgot you could fly. Fernanda, Fernanda, let me talk to you for a second. Come over here to this dark alley. She follows you. What's going on with you? You're all tired. Looks like you didn't sleep last night. Having bad dreams? Something like that. Look, cut the bullshit. I know what you are. He continued to bluff. (laughs) (laughs) Bluffingly. Bluffingly. Why don't you go ahead and roll a deception for me? Okay. Dice in my DNA. I know who you are and what scares you. Where are the drugs heading? <laughs> that is 11. <laughs> Deception. Oh, not great. 14. Okay. I know I said I was going to leave last night, but I wasn't expecting that we would find a town here. I told you that I was well-traveled, right? That I knew every innkeeper from here to Belliard but I've never seen this place before. Right. Well, that's fine. None of us have. But why is that such a problem? What's going on? And is it to do with that damn cat? Red says yeah. and points to Doran, distracting it. And in the background, this cat's like flying around chasing an eyeball. She nods. Is that why you don't want to talk? She nods again. All right, look. There are many ways that we can communicate that don't require it being in person. Look, tell me what I need to know as quickly as possible. She looks around, and then she pulls out your bag of holding. 
Sure. Uh, and steals she, it. She, she takes <laughs> it Long and she con, fucking baby. runs. No, she like rifles through until she finds a piece of parchment and a quill. And she starts scratching down some words for you. Yes. And I can even speak Draconic or speak all these things, but I can't read. Damn it. I can speak Elvish, Draconic, or Giant if that helps. She shakes her head and she writes down trouble is coming. And he folds it up and puts it in his pocket. Well, of course trouble's coming. The giants are meant to attack any day, and then we need to head to Denstone Cleft. I, I don't know if you're coming with us or what. No. But I need no. to be- What? No, you don't understand. This is why I can't talk to you. I'm trying to understand. Look, look, fine. Trouble is coming, and it's not the giants. Is there anything I can do? Is there anything we can do to prepare? Um... I'm here. I'm happy to help you, Veranda. Look, I know what you are. Fine if you don't want to leave, but... You hear the sound that you heard yesterday. The gates to the city are opening. Jack and Mari, you're closer to the center of town. And you watch as three covered wagons pulled by horses creak into the town square. The sides of the wagons painted with bright colors and the words, Midnight Carnival. Thank you once again to our wonderful Patreon supporters, Adam Fry, Amanda Kitchener, Amy Garza, Anne... Cecil Lee Wilson, Jerry Rose Anderson, Christopher, Colin Burkhart, Crow, Cypress Key, Cytosine, DS, Danny, Default Trauma, Dippity, Elizabeth H, Emma, Ghost, Haley, Harper the Marks, Heather Nichols, JD, Joy Robinson, KR, KM, Cade, Kirsten Wolf, Lasagna, Last Ruth on the left, Leader J, Lizzie Demon, Lorelai Feldman, Matilda Rushing, Marie, Melinda Curley, Mills, Melissa, Merlin, Nimble Dingo, Regan, Ren, Ruth Ann Reed, Scotty, Sky, S-Ray 96, Tara Bite, Tony Pepperoni, Xander Morning Dove, and Zach House. Woo! Whoa. I am Stromboli! that's right come and see my dancing puppet (laughs) Zulkin you bastard ACAST powers the world's best podcasts here's a show that we recommend this is Roundabout Season 2 and we're back to share more stories from the road and the memories made along the way We're talking rest stops. If we're stopping to get gas, you will be timed. (laughs) (laughs) You will be right. Misguided plans. I grew up in the city, so I have like, you know, a healthy fear of real extreme darkness. (laughs) This was like wilderness. A lot of laughs. Y'all weird, but you, (laughs) you, you were different. Like you were real different. I can't really put my finger on it. And so much more. 
Just goes to show that unexpected yeah. things sometimes are the best when it comes to a road trip. Roundabout Season 2, presented by Nissan, is live now with new episodes rolling out every Thursday. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.